0: Welcome to the Land and Everything Else podcast. This is Dr. Craig Lemoyne, along with Ailey Elmore. Please join us as we learn about investing from dirt to derivatives. The Land and Everything Else podcast is brought to you by the College of Agriculture, Consumer and Environmental Sciences and the Department of Agriculture and Consumer Economics at the University of Illinois, Urbana-Champaign. We are thrilled to have you with us today and hope you learn more about alternative investments. Thank you for tuning in to the Land and Everything Else podcast. Today, I have have a real treat. Uh, We get to talk with Steve Myers at Busey. And Steve, why don't you introduce yourself a little bit about who you are, what you do. It's going to be a great conversation today.
1: Yeah, I'm excited to be here. So Steve Myers, I have been in the ag business uh, for about 35 years. My current title is Director of Ag Services, where I oversee uh, professional farm managers and brokers, farm real estate brokers, uh, through our offices, not only here in Champaign-Urbana, but also uh, out of the Leroy, Illinois office, Edwardsville office, and Decatur office.
0: So I, I kind of want to start today with a little of your of your background. Um, If you share a little bit about, you know, one of the things we're trying to do in this podcast is, is talk about land, right. Mm -hmm. And buying land, selling land, transacting land. And, and, uh, you know, who do y'all usually represent? Are you representing the farmer or investors? You know, what point? Who, who all are, are all y'all's clients?
1: Yeah. So really, the bigger picture, when we start at the 30,000-foot level, it's, it's farmland and everything that goes along with it. So not only the sales and acquisition of farmland, but also the management and maintenance of upgrading you know from adding drainage tiles to to day-to-day management of corn and soybean crops here you know we're pretty monocultured we are. here we are. Uh, uh, you know corn soybeans florida that's yeah. our rotation that goes along <laughs> with that but uh, uh, but it's really all the way from top to bottom so so we not only work with clients who want to acquire land we we are in the auction business and brokerage business where we sell properties whether by private treaty just like selling your home, you put a sign in the yard, that's a private treaty transaction. Or the auction business, where it's, it's not like on the, on the network TV where we're, we're auctioning off footlockers, but uh, we're <laughs> literally auctioning off uh, farmland. And that's a, about 50 to 60% of the uh, transactions today take place by auction. But uh, so, you know, anything again from, from A to Z in terms of uh, uh, acquisition, sales, and management of that farmland.
0: So let's open up. You shared something with me earlier I'd like to kind of start on, which is your doctor convo. Right, yeah. So tell me about your doctor convo.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, you know, uh, first of all, you know, the Steve Meyer speech is I think everyone should own farmland, right? It's a right. great part of a diverse portfolio, and we can dig into that later. But my doctor conversation is, you know, a, a stereotypical phone call that I would receive is is uh, – we'll say a doctor. It could be a, some other type of professional out sure. there that says, hey, Steve, I'm interested in buying farmland. What do you think? And, well, then the game's afoot, right? right. So. So we talk about the why, you know. I I want to flesh out why they're interested, but but ultimately it leads to a question. Okay, dear sir or ma'am, you buy farmland at fifteen thousand dollars an acre, okay, and the farmland two or three years uh, from now drops down to eleven thousand five hundred, and and what are you going to do? And and it's kind of a it's kind of a tipping point in that interview process because if that person that that potential investor says, well, I need to get out! I need to sell. I need to get out of this losing position, if you will. If they say that, that's when I try to tap the brakes because yeah. farmland is a long-term uh, play. It's a part of a diverse portfolio, uh, and all of those things. So, so if they're going to cut and run at the first signs of trouble, sure. you know we should measure our farmland investment in terms of decades not in terms of years because and again if if they're in for a quick in and out it's no different than being a day trader right you know on the on on the on the, on the S&P uh, or or the stock market we're we're thinking that folks who are interested in farmland should be thinking of that long term and long term as a part of a diverse portfolio
0: i love that So, so to the end of, you were talked a little bit about, you know, different ways of buying farmland, right? How it's a little different than a stock market or a housing market, right? So walk me through a little bit about, okay, I'm the doctor Mm -hmm. and I'm calling Mm -hmm. and I'm saying, you know what? I think I, I would like to put, you know, X dollars in my portfolio, X percentage of a portfolio. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we talk and I have a long-term perspective, right? So you don't, you don't, you know, I'm not scaring you away right away. Yep.
1: You're checking my boxes. I'm checking some boxes.
0: So we get to this point of, I guess, I guess a couple of questions, right? So at some point, land markets are, you know, I think fundamentally different than stock markets and and housing markets, right? So if you could talk a little bit to the differences in acquisition, maybe the differences in holding costs and and what we want to look for. Uh, on that end, I'd, I'd really appreciate your your experience on that. Right,
1: absolutely. So, so first of all, we we understand that farmland is is really has not, is not correlated to the stock market, which is a great reason to yep. own, uh, to own a farmland as 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 a, as a commercial investment. So, let's go to different acquisitions to start with. So first question is, is geography important to you? That's a great you know, question. You're from El Paso, Texas. Yes, I do, am. Do we want to buy ground farm and ranch land down in Texas? Do we want to be concentrated in East Central Illinois or or the Midwest as a whole? Okay. Uh, so, so the first question is: is, do you have any geographic constraints? Second question, and just as equally as important is, is how important is the return to you? Because farmland's not very sexy. You know, when we look at, you know, we measure the farmland as an investment, both on the appreciation or depreciation and the ability to return uh, revenue on a year-to-year basis. But but a great positive about farmland when we compare it, say, versus the S&P. Okay, great. Uh, and we look at making a 2 to 3% return yearly plus the appreciation side of that. Does it always go up? No, but no. that's why we again we measure it in terms of decades right. uh, that, that that go along with that. But but traditionally the number that honestly that I've used over time is three percent. Today we're probably wallering in the two to two and a half percent ROI range. But when we combine that with appreciation, measured in decades, mm-hmm. I think that you'll see, and that investor would see, that uh, uh, it competes very favorably with the S P five hundred, meaning Ten to 11 percent pick a decade other than the 1980s, we had some troubles there right the farmland crisis, sissy SpaceX movies and things like that. but when we measure it over decades, uh, you're looking at you know double digit returns again as a part of a diverse portfolio. so you've identified that I want to be in East central Illinois, okay, and then you've said, you know return, I understand what my potential return is is going to sure. be so then the question is, well, how many acres? because very capital intense. Farmland in East Central Illinois today, uh, off the rack, meaning just a run-of-the-mill Class A farm is going to be in the fifteen to $17,000 an acre range. So uh, an 80 acres at uh, $15,000 an acre is a $1.2 million investment are you going to use leverage right. to, to do that? right? Well, borrow money for dirt today, and it's about 8.5%, eight and a half percent, eight and eight and a half percent. So wait a minute, I'm borrowing money at eight and a half percent to get something that's going to return me two percent, right? So we right. need to have that conversation. Yes. So, uh, so at that point is I'm using all cash. Let's okay. just assume Let's that. Let's assume that. Yep. Uh, right. I'm using all cash. So how do I acquire that? So we talked earlier about Auctions or private treaty. Sure. Let's talk about private treaty to start with. And as we said, we put a sign in the yard, we put a sign on the farm, right? Right. Farm for sale, 80 acres. What's it? By the way, this is not a trick question, but what's an acre? An acre is 43,560 square feet. Roughly a football field without the end zones. Most of you all already knew that. But but so if we want to buy an 80-acre farm, and, uh, uh, and we're going to spend somewhere around 1.2. Uh, we're going to look for opportunities through brokerage or yes. private transactions. You know, uh, sometimes it's a brokerage firm like Busey putting their sign on it, hey, farm for sale, you know, what are the terms? Sometimes it might be an owner. Owner operator, uh, some a family member that says, "Hey, I think I want to put a sign up on the farm and 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 let's let's sell that farm." So private treaty is the great thing about it is is more controlled, a little slower pace uh, uh, compared to an auction, but it allows time to for that buyer, potential buyer, to really vet multiple opportunities in a given area. So so much like buying a house, that are mostly private treaty transactions. Uh, farmland private treaty just offers some advantages as compared to an auction, which is, hey, hey, you know, it, we're going to bid it up today, boys and girls, you know, yeah. come along, bring your checkbook, you know. And so then the gun's to your head a little bit at that day of the auction. So you kind of have to have your wits about you and your act together. But ultimately, it's the same process because an auction is just a series of offers. I'm offering you 14.5. i I counter back. I'm asking for fifteen. You give me fifteen. Now I'm asking for fifteen five, and it's just a, a, a faster pace uh, uh, way of doing it. In strong markets, auctions are the best way for sellers. Sure. And in slow markets, it's the worst way for sellers. So. I can see that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, thank you for that. So I'm going to follow up on the doctor convo, right? Yeah. I'm Craig. I'm from El Paso, mm-hmm. right? My my experience in agriculture is is driving down Windsor and Staley, right? Mm-hmm. That's where I'm at, mm-hmm. but. I recognize the value of land and farmland in a portfolio. Mm-hmm. You don't know anything about farming, though, mm-hmm. right? So at this point in the game, farm management comes into play. Mm-hmm. Share a little bit about that journey yeah. and process and, and how that would work yeah. For, yeah. Uh, for someone. So I go ahead. I take the 1.2. I find the 80 acres, yeah. right? Let's keep the story yeah. moving. Yeah. So now I buy it. I'm very excited. I drive out there. I go, what what on earth do I do now? What's next? What's next? Yeah,
1: what's next? Well, so it's no different than owning an apartment building. So uh, this is my 20-second speech. You own an apartment building, and you neither have the time nor the expertise to manage the apartment building. What do you do? You hire an apartment building manager. Sure. Uh, Farm management is an apartment building manager for dirt, right? Right. So a farm management firm... You know, secures someone to rent the farm, secures the agreements, uh, make sure that the farm is maintained, make sure it's producing the return that it, it, that it was intended or sold to you, Craig, at, right, right? You know, right. You, you sold me this bill of goods, but, uh, so professional farm management, like what we do at Bucy Ag Services, uh, does all of those things. We are, we protect the farmland asset. We oversee the day to day for people who either don't have the time or the expertise to do that. So, so, and, and there's other, Simplistic, more simplistic means of lease types that a buyer can utilize. And and without, unless you want to, go to the deeper dive of a cash rental arrangement where a farmer pays X to rent that ground and they grow the crops they want. There are crop share arrangements where, hey, I'm going to share as the landowner in the risk and reward of raising corn and soybeans. There's custom farm arrangements where I, as a landowner, am going to take all the risk of growing that corn and soybean crop. So there's just different arrangements that are out there.
2: Do you work with farming, ranching, or agribusiness clients? Do you want to help farm and ranch families ensure their business' success into the next generation? Are you ready to build relationships that will last a lifetime? The Agriculture focused Financial Planner designation at the University of Illinois Urbana-Champaign will help you develop the skill set you need to better serve the farming, ranching, and agriculture community. This booming market relies on competent and skillful financial professionals to achieve its financial goals of farm families. The AFFP designation teaches you about crop insurance, legacy planning, social security for farmers, and other topics critical to serving these communities. Find more information about the AFFP at affp.illinois.edu or search for Agriculture focused Financial Planner on your favorite browser.
0: Well, that's really good to know. And, and I guess let's look back on your career a little bit Mm -hmm. and tell me when you've seen some really successful transactions, Mm -hmm. right? Like what characteristics went into those buyers when it went into people that said, you know, I'm, I'm going to buy a piece of land. I will hold it for the decades that we talked about and I'll have a positive experience. But if, if you can look back and think of those transactions, um, you know, share a little bit about kind of what goes into that personality, maybe what goes into that, that type of investor.
1: Yeah. You know, for for folks who are consistently in the farmland market, it's no different than buying stocks. You know, a dollar cost averaging person might be, you know, so... Uh, uh, Mrs. Myers and I bought our first farm. This is a true story. Back in 1990, okay. I had to borrow a thousand dollars from my father because I didn't have enough money to even for the down payment. But I, I knew this is the place I wanted sure. to be. For example, and and so when when you make that purchase and you start going down that road, uh, it's it's what are your what are your realistic expectations? What are your expectations? Uh, uh as a as a as an owner of farmland for what do I want to hand down to my kids? You know, legacy oh, yeah, type, type sure. planning and, and things like that. So, you know, I think the question is, is how do you be successful? You fully vet it. We just don't run out into a crowd and say, today's the day to buy land, right? And and no different than, you know, would you spend more money trying to buy your new plasma screen TV or to buy your, right. your farmland, right? So So to go through the process of fully vetting, and that includes... Local markets, what is the underlying asset in terms of soil types? Where are my potential trapdoors in terms of ownership? What are some potential windfalls? Solar farms, wind farms, things like that. What what are my potentials? But but to answer your question is to fully vet that investment, just like you would fully vet any other investment. Right. Knowing that you know it's it's going to be a pretty narrow scope that you live in, right? Right. You know, right. But uh, but to fully vet the process, and there's a lot of folks like myself, UC Ag Services, to help understand that in our doctor conversation here. Uh, but but the satisfied people to 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 find full satisfaction is you look back on it and say I knew exactly what I was getting into. Didn't mean it turned out well or poorly. But I knew exactly what I was getting into, so you just bet it and, and ask all the questions, just just as you would in any transaction, like buying your own home.
0: That's that's fantastic. I I'd like to kind of pivot a little bit on current, I guess, current events. You know, we are coming out of a relatively cheap interest rate environment, right? Maybe artificially so, but we yeah. we had a long stretch in there yeah. where money was money was cheap. And now money's less cheap. Not at the most expensive it's been in your career, right? right? You've seen higher oh, costs. Yeah. Double digits, you bet. But but it is now. I think today uh commercial mortgages popped over eight. Like I read the, I saw a tweet and it was like mortgages over eight. And you yes. you know, you think the sky's falling, but how has that changed market dynamics? Has it? And and yeah. I kind of just get your 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 two cents.
1: Yeah. I, I I think ultimately it'll be a huge impactor. And again, uh, I, I, I'm 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 an older guy, right? I'm a 1964 model, so I'm, 50, <laughs> I'm 59 years old. So I've seen the double digit interest rates. Yes, you right? have, and and I've seen those 1980s farmland crisis that were some of that crisis was predicated on double digit interest rates. So so you're exactly right. You know we're coming off of. You know, first of all, my crystal ball is no better than anybody no, else's. No, not at all. But, but you know, we're coming off of kind of the salad days of 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 farmland purchasing due to two, three, three and a half yes. percent, yes. long term yes. rates in the face of robust returns yes. on the farm yeah. that have driven prices up to uh, where we are at today. We're we're, we're still at historically high places. So, what happens tomorrow is again, i don 't know, and I don't know, but you know, I think that the pressures of number one higher interest rates for people using leverage, yes, number two, lower rates of return simply based on lower commodity prices mm-hmm. that were experienced today versus say a year ago would would most certainly on paper, yeah, on paper, have to force farmland prices down, at least bias them as flat to lower sure. uh, on something like that. Currently, in 2023, uh, uh, we have some piles of cash that we need to work through, meaning our ag economy has been re- so robust the last couple of years. I think that we've got some pent-up demand. I do. Uh, that, that. That's out there in that I market now that, that has kept those prices, you know, uh, I'm not going to say artificially it is what it is, uh, right. but kept those prices higher. But longer term to see what the pressure of those eight plus percent interest rates, to see what that pressure of instead of having four five, $600 net returns to, back to two or three, something more traditional, two, three, $400 net returns, you know, most certainly in my opinion has to put pressure on the market.
0: Well, I, I think it does. I think you do have, you know, pent up institutional demand and, and more and more retail demand in the alt space too, yeah. right? And, and that, at the end of the day, we can create some really fancy derivatives and really great commodity products, and we can put them in private equity or hedge funds, and we can sell them in a partnership shares. But at the end of the day, there's a farm behind that. Yeah. Quite often, yeah. right? There's like a real tangible right. piece of land. Right. And I, I think one of the things we're trying to to communicate with the world around us is like understanding, right? Like right. that little piece of land, somebody yeah. owns it. Oh, absolutely. And Somebody else farms it. Right. And we can spin it a ways to Sunday, but if there's Demand for more ag institutional investing. I think you do see prices prop up a bit longer, maybe than if there wasn't that demand. So I guess we'll see. Yeah, on the auction end of things, where right. where acres go, right? right from Illinois standpoint, yeah. and
1: I think we're at that tipping point literally right now. Again, yeah. after we work through some of these piles of cash, the, the true market, yeah. you know, is is maybe. a a few months out or maybe a half a year out or something like that once we work through some of that pent-up demand in the cash that's involved. And I
0: think variable interest cost on the operation itself, right? Like, that catches up with people pretty quickly. I was borrowing to, you know, promote operations at two, now I'm doing it at ten and it's like that. That will catch up with people. yeah.
1: You know, interesting today here in 2023, we see those fifteen to seventeen thousand dollar per acre values. We saw a run up in 2010, 2011, 2012, 2013, yeah. where we got all the way up to like 12, 13, 14, Oh my gosh, the world's ending type of level levels, sure. and that retreated. Uh, or didn't certainly go up double digits, but retreated into 2014, 2015, 2016. And then we thought, well, land's leveled off. We've seen our highs. It's never going to be that high again, right? And then, again, demand robust ag economy and we just blew through it. You know, especially coming off of COVID where there was very few transactions. You know, in that you know, twelve to eighteen month period of time. And when we came busting out of the gates in the fall of twenty twenty one, I mean it was just it was just crazy when you went up a thousand, two thousand, you know, fifteen to eighteen percent gains on the year in terms of uh, of 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 appreciation. And again, that's why it's the doctor convo to buy land today to expect those similar returns, fifteen to eighteen, double digit returns, might be unrealistic. Right? What do you want to own it for? So,
0: and I, I really like that perspective. Yeah. Kind of, let's take the doctor convo and talk generational wealth because mm-hmm. I think that's like an important part when we talk about farmland and we talk about Illinois and and this you know more globally too. Mm-hmm. But when you see families that you've worked with that have bought farms, you know, and and that estate planning piece just becomes critical yeah. to the success of that. Yeah. So how do, how do we kind of make sure, or not make sure, but encourage? estate planning legacy planning right what yeah. what steps do we we encourage people to take so doctor acquires the farm right What do we do?
1: Yeah, so you know, it's it's because of a couple things. Let's talk about the taxation first of all. So you know, we have some disparity here in Illinois uh, in terms of where we're at on the federal level uh, uh, with a state tax versus the state level. So that's number one in Illinois that we really got to sink our teeth into. What is the size of mom and dad's, grandma and grandpa's estate? Yes, and what kind of planning do we need to help facilitate? And and you know, those things could be. Things like gifting and and a planned gifting pattern. Say old school. I'll go old oh, yep. school to start yep. with. You sure. know, through it through a land trust, right. and, and and we convert that into personal property, and we do our gifting every year per the IRS guidelines to kids, grandkids, and it's a way to diversify mm-hmm. that lower area. Pretty air, pretty, and,
0: pretty yeah. straightforward strategy. Oh, right? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Very straightforward. But but again, is it. it to, to wait to to that darkest hour to to start to to put those plans into place w- would be great folly especially in light of some of the run-up in prices that we've had right wow you got you know it's literally something that that before i'll say 1960s 1970s when when we weren't moving that needle quickly we've moved that needle so quickly the last two or three years to stay in front of that estate planning yes. has been ultra critical
0: yeah it has it's been it's been I think one of the most fundamental critical elements of all this is making sure that if we want that land to stay in the family, we need to act well ahead of time and stomach the fact that you're going to have some costs, legal costs and insurance premium costs and all that.
1: Yeah. And I think there's a lot of great professionals. Uh, Busey has professionals that can help. Not only understand just both the farmland aspect, but but the bigger picture. So I'll I'll talk about Bob Myers. That's my dad. My mom and dad are in their eighties, okay. still alive, and you know want the farm to continue, right? And there's a lot of families out there, both farmer and non-farmer, yep. that will be that way. So mom and dad, grandma and grandpa, what do you want? Well, we want we we would prefer. You know, there's two ways to look at it. We want the farm to stay in the family, and am I going to write a governing instrument that would rule that, you know, a trust document type of thing? Or am I going to leave you children or grandchildren to your own devices? Ah.
0: That's uh, the crux, yeah, right. But yeah. I think that's there's no real right answer to that. No,
1: no, right. Or I might want to support a charity for a long term period of time, sure. And 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 look at a at a crut type of thing where I can get maybe some advantages out of my estate. Uh, and, and but but provide for that charity of my choice. So so again, the question is for the owner of that farmland as they do estate planning, whether that's family, whether that's gifting uh, from a philanthropic uh, standpoint, is what do you want to do? And that's why you got to get your team. And your team being your accountant, your attorney, right. and you gotta, you know, it, it, we talk about it, and everybody says, "Oh, the team that cost me money," or that type yeah. of thing. But, 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 you know, to have that and to have a well constructed plan, it, it doesn't happen overnight. It takes weeks, it takes months, and sometimes even years, especially in a in a, an evolving market, to get all these tumblers to fall together correctly. Yes, because the tax man Will yes,
0: they will. Yes. So I, I want to ask Steve, we're, we're asking everybody kind of the same question at mm-hmm. the end. And the question for you is this. So I'm an investment advisor. I'm an insurance agent, mm-hmm. right? I'm a, I'm a registered rep of a broker dealer. Mm-hmm. And my clients want to diversify. Mm-hmm. We've got some stocks. We've got some bonds. And we say, man, you know, every day I'm driving down Staley and I see that farmland, right? Yeah. Like I see it. I want to invest in that. What advice do you give that financial intermediary? right? With the advisor, the broker, the insurance agent, what, if you, you could kind of, this is your chance to right. inform that world. Right. What, what advice would you give them?
1: Well, uh, I, I'm going to talk about two camps. I'll talk about that farming family operation. Okay. That's, that's their hardware store. That is their line of business, right? right. And they're going to be committed a higher percentage to farmland than, than you driving down Staley and sure. say I want to diversify right. my portfolio. Absolutely. So then the question is, what is your asset mix? You know, so you wake up that day, On retirement day, for example. Say it's
0: retirement day. Yeah,
1: yeah. All right. And you wake up on that retirement day and, and, and what, I'm going to use the word silos because this is an ag conversation. Where are my silos of my retirement? Some of it's in my 401k. Some of it's in my pension. Some of it's in hard assets like my house. Right. What commitment do I have to the real estate side of my, sure. So, so I think that, that again, when you, when I'm talking to those mid managers, uh, you know, we can manage our way around it, but, tell me why and, and, and we can tell you how, but, but, but really for me, I want the question is the why
0: you want the why you want, you want to check the boxes and make sure this is going to be appropriate.
1: Yeah, I absolutely true. And, and, and again, when you mentioned insurance agents as a perfect example, as we talked about estate planning, I might want to be buying life insurance to help offset my, to help offset my estate tax, you know, type of thing. So, so when we talk about our teams, and our, again, our teams are very diverse. It's not just your lawyer. It's not just your accountant, but it can include your insurance agent and say, hey, we need to, have to bring that wealth of knowledge that each people have in their individual uh, field of professionalism and, and really get it on there together. But to answer the question why, then we, can, then we got something to, to build upon.
0: Steve, I really appreciate your wisdom and insight today. This has been awesome. Fun. I enjoyed it very much. Thanks for talking with us. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Land and Everything Else. For more information on alternative investing, find us on your favorite social media platform using the links in our show notes. Thank you to the production team behind the podcast, Podpony. If you're ready to up your podcast game, visit podpony.com to saddle up and learn more. I'm Dr. Craig Lemoyne. You can find me at Higher Ed Craig, and this is the Land and Everything Else podcast. We'll see you again real soon.